0: <laughs> so as you've heard we're starting a new sermon series called man that's whack and you know what i want to be able to describe to you what exactly we are meaning when we say that's whack so i went to a really awesome source called UrbanDictionary.com, and it's uh it defines man that's whack as lame sorry it might have had a cuss word after that but of course i deleted that ain't even legit So when someone says, that's whack, they're saying, man, that's sorry. That's not even legit. That's lame. And so we're going to be talking about, in the next several weeks, a few doctrines that many of us have heard, some teachings that we may have even grown up with that is not true. Matter of fact, the scripture says this in 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. It says, for the time will come. When people would not put up with sound doctrine, instead, to suit their own desires, they would gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They would turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. See, friends, man, that's whack. Can we say it together? Man, that's whack. See, we don't want to just come to church to get a nice massage but we want to come and get a message from the Lord, a message that will change our life, a message that will be filled with grace and with truth so that we can grow and become all that God desires us to be. So our goal this next few weeks is to share what, what's out there that can confuse us so we can know the truth. Matter of fact, First Timothy 4.16 says it like this. It says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Can you say that with me? watch your life and doctrine closely. And then it goes on and says persevere in them because if you do you will save both yourself and your hearers. See the first false doctrine that we want to talk about this during this sermon series is called the hypergrace doctrine. Can you say hypergrace? Hypergrace. Okay, hypergrace. The def- the definition of hypergrace, it means this. First we'll break it down. Hyper Okay, it means to go beyond, to be fanatical or even obsessive about something. It also means to go beyond that which is normal. The proper teaching of hyper grace has gone beyond the written word of God. And in some instances, it's become fanatical. And many have even become obsessed with the irresponsible, highly popular teaching. One of the enemy's tricks, friends, something that the enemy does when, when he brings in false doctrine is he takes a little bit of truth, and then he puts a little bit of false in with it. So he takes a little bit of truth, but inserts things that are wrong, false theology right in with it. So you hear that little bit of truth, and then you don't pay attention to the false part, and you think, oh, this is all good. This, is, this must be right see a good example of what the enemy is doing here with this with his trick of having a little bit of truth and then entering the false is hyper grace because grace is amazing right what's more amazing than grace grace is what we're saved by but friends we need to understand the difference between hyper grace and true grace grace is good it's awesome it's amazing Hyper-grace tries to make it something that it's not. Matter of fact, the Greek word for grace is charis, and it's used 122 times in the New Testament. That shows you that grace is so very important to our salvation, to our experience with God. This word can be translated, grace, can be translated to thanks, such as in 2 Corinthians 9, 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. God's goodness is also closely tied up with joy and thanksgiving and it's wrapped around it from the beginning to the end a close word for cherish is cherah which means joy i just had to throw that in oh yeah my my name is coming right from that grace uh-huh <laughs> whenever anyone treats us with favor we can't help but be filled with joy and naturally respond with thanksgiving that's grace this is the thing friends grace is deep it's not cheap Mm-hmm. Grace is deep, it's not cheap. Grace is found in Christ alone. I want us to understand that very truth. And so we're gonna go right now and we are gonna learn the difference between hyper grace, right? Which is not grace at all, and true grace, because we need true grace if we want true salvation. Right? we need true grace in order to have true salvation three major differences between hyper grace and true grace and as you walked in this morning in your bulletin you have a talking over sheet you can go ahead and pull that out if you'd like to fill in the blanks with me we're going to fill in these three points here of the differences between hyper grace and true grace because i don't want to just talk about the false you need to learn the truth as we talk about the false right And so as we're talking about what's the false, we want to make sure that we're bringing up what's the truth. And so we're going to hit these differences here. Three differences between hyper-grace and true grace. Number one, hyper-grace message teaches repentance is no longer crucial. Yes, it does. Hyper-grace, it goes beyond the real work of grace. And it says that repentance is no longer crucial. Where true grace, friends, teaches that repentance is critical. It's critical. There's no salvation without repentance, friends. We have to repent. See, this is the thing. Hyper grace teaches once born again Christians need never to repent for their sins because they're automatically forgiven by the blood of Jesus the moment they are they are committed. This, friends, is the most biblically illiterate, uh, dangerous message that we can accept. this crucial hour as christians we've got to reject this we've got to reject this see god's word it's clear his grace is offered only through continual human repentance therefore without continuing in repentance there is no continuing grace the human repentance when human repentance ceases god's grace becomes unavailable to repent simply means to turn. It is a change of heart, mind, and direction. It's so important for us to understand we have to repent. And because it's so important, I felt like I needed to get some get deep tonight. We're going to get into a, a little bit of teaching here this morning, and we're going to hit... A lot of scriptures, both in the Old and New Testament, it may, if you're taking notes, it may be hard for you to keep up. You can just write down the reference and look these up. But we made sure that we put it on the screen for you to see how important repentance is. Because see, hyper grace says you don't have to repent. Once you've already accepted Jesus, boom, that's it. You never have to repent again. Okay? So this is where, you know, we get sometimes not everybody who believes once saved always saved believes in in hyper grace, but there that it can get off into that. Okay, I like more like once saved if saved. <laughs> I like that a little bit more. Okay, as as assembly of God believers, which is what our church is, we don't believe in the once saved always saved, and we we see the danger of hyper grace, which is not necessarily the same thing as once saved always saved. Okay, but it, it takes it that theology and it, to the extreme where I got saved and you know I went up to the altar when I was in third grade at VBS and I got myself you know I gave myself over to the Lord and I got saved and then as a teenager I backslid and I and I did this you know this and this and this and I never have to repent for any of the sins that I did because I already asked Jesus into my heart in third grade there's people that believe that friends and it keeps us from being it keeps us sh- shallow it doesn't it, grace is deep not cheap it's a cheap grace. It keeps us shallow. It, it doesn't, it, it keeps us from knowing and understanding the fullness of God. Okay? Because God wants us to repent. He wants us to be right with him. He wants us to search our heart daily, not just one time. See, Second Chronicles, we're going to do Old and New Testament so that you see the fullness of, of God. When you're learning doctrine, when you're learning teachings, you need to measure it not just but from one or two obscure scriptures but from the fullness of the counsel of the word of god that's how you measure if it's really truth or not and so that's why we're hitting old and new to understand that repentance is critical we have to have repentance second chronicles 7 14 says this if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then i will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land who did he say if my what my people. Do you get that friends? They're already his people. They've already accepted him, but yet still we need to turn from our wicked ways. Somebody needs to shout. Amen. First John one nine says this. If we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and forgive our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. Friends, repentance and confession go close together, okay? I don't, we don't have to confess necessary to man, okay? We don't believe that we have to set up a box here in Vision Ministries, some, you know, like phone book booth, little box thing where Pastor Joshua sits there and then you guys come in Monday through Friday and book times to confess all your sins to him. God, Jesus made a way that we can go boldly to the throne of grace and go right to God himself and confess, man, God, I messed up. I fell short. I know I know you. I know I've accepted you into my heart. I, I believe in you. I'm your child, but I messed up still. Now, we have children physically, right? I mean, most of us, not all of us in here. Some of us are so young and haven't had children yet. Wait until you're ready and you're married, okay? But that's another sermon. But those of us who do have children, they mess up, okay? And they don't stop becoming our child when they mess up. We, they're always going to be our child, and we love them, and we, for, and we forgive them. But we have to bring discipline. We have to bring correction, or we don't really love them like we say we do. God, is, God loves us enough to discipline us. He loves us enough to say, "Come, you can come boldly to me, but you've got to do your part. God is there saying, okay, I'm ready, but you got to do your part in coming. And confessing and repenting. Acts three nineteen says, "Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out." Again, Old Testament, New Testament, Jesus speaking it after the resurrection. The apostles speaking it. Luke three thirteen three. No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you all likewise will perish. Unless you what repent? Not just one time, though, friends. Okay, it doesn't. This is this is the hard thing about teaching this stuff. It doesn't. I hope that as we continue on that you will understand that God does have true grace for you, okay? And we don't want to be legalistic with any of this stuff. I mean, the the, um, guy who was on the cross next to Jesus, there was two robbers, right? Two thieves. And one, you know, made fun of Jesus and said whatever, but the other one said, you know, basically forgive me. And right then he, Jesus said, today you will see me in heaven. Okay. It doesn't mean that you have to be perfect. That's not what grace is. Grace is the power. It is, uh, the ability. It was what makes us repent. It gives us the ability to do so. Act 1730 says the times of ignorance in t- the times of ignorance, God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach what? Repentance. James 4, 8 and 10, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. By the way, James was writing to the church, by the way. Be Wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter turn to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. I believe some of the state that we're in as American Christians is because the American church has not preached repentance like we need to. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says, For whoever conceals his transgression, transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Revelations 2, 5, Remember, therefore... Where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come and remove your lap stand from its place unless what? You repent. Acts 2, 38. I hope you guys are getting this. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Revelations 3, 19. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and what? Repent. Joel two thirteen and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disasters. Mark one fifteen and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. 1 John 1, 5 and 10, his is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, friends. Matthew 3, 2, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. See, friends, Jesus is the embodiment of grace. And yet he preached repentance. Jesus preached repentance, and so should the church today. It's so important. The Old and the New Testament both preach repentance. It goes with grace. Grace is favor. Grace is thanksgiving. Grace is joy. Grace is the power to teach us to say no to ungodliness. Grace teaches us to repent. It's because of God, but we have to receive it, friends, and we have to continue and, and, and live and write before him. And when we mess up, we're not condemned it con- there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but we need to still continue to humble ourselves before him. It is grace that leads us to repentance in the last scripture in this section here. God resists the proud, but gives what grace to the humble grace to the humble. Friends, when when I was an intern, Pastor Earl and Pastor Renee's oldest daughter that some of you guys may not know. Her name is Jordan Harris. She said something that was so profound that as, as a 19-year-old young girl, I heard this and I thought, whoa, I'm going to remember this forever. She said, one of the first signs that you are becoming a Pharisee is you no longer answer the altar call. And see, what, what that spoke to me is when I get to a place that I think that I've already arrived and I ne- never need to repent of my own flesh and the sin that I still stumble upon, That I'm being a Pharisee looking at other people thinking I'm better than them. Because that's what the Pharisee did when the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, when they went to the temple, the Pharisee said, oh, God. And he looked over and he said, oh, God, thank you. I'm not like this brother right here. I pay my tithe. And I go to church every week. And I do everything. Matter of fact, I serve on the usher board. And, 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 Lord, I'm even helping with banquet this year. And, God, I even served in the nursery when I didn't feel like it. And, God, you hear about my new ministry I'm starting up? And, God, I got all these things, and I'm doing everything right. And, God, you see, I'm a godly husband, and I'm doing right by my wife and working when, you know, whatever. I ain't talking about you. I'm just touching you. And, and God, <laughs> I'm living right. And, thank God, I'm not like the person next to me. You know, that person over there that's a tax collector, that person over there that deals with prostitution, that person over there that's having sex outside of marriage, that person over there that keeps cussing, that person over there, you see what they put on their Facebook post? God, I know you saw it because you are God. I'm not like them, God. Thank God I'm not like them. We have that attitude, friends, and when we get that attitude, we become Pharisees and we walk away from the grace of God because we feel we no longer need to repent. God forbid God forbid see hyper grace makes it like it's a, a golden ticket a one-time in thing I said my prayer and now I'm forgiven the blood of Jesus covers me and I never have to do anything that he's calling me to do because it's some kind of magic formula God is not into magic friends but yet we have a whole doctrine that is based around it because it's this 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 formula friends God wants us to walk in true grace the true joy and thanksgiving and favor and a true gift that only comes from him this is my encouragement to you grace gives us the power to repent it gives us the power to repent when was the last time you went before the lord and you searched your own heart and said god search my heart"? God, search my heart. Show me, is there anything in me that doesn't please you? God, forgive me of my own I need your grace so I can walk away from it. This year, in the beginning of the, of, of the year, Pastor Josh and I went through, and we made some goals for ourselves, personally, for the church, and for our family. We made three sets of goals, three sets personally, three sets for the family, and three sets for the church. And as I was writing these goals, I told Pastor Joshua, I can't do it. I need grace. Grace is what enables us to do it, friends. Do what he's called us to do. And friends, when we get to that place, it's humbling ourselves before him and say, God, and let's start first with searching me. Give me character, God. Give me character. The next difference I want to talk about between hyper grace and true grace is that hyper grace message teaches grace as a license to sin. Say license to sin. And true grace gives us the leverage not to sin. Hmm. Okay, if you weren't filming yet, hopefully you will film me on this point right here. <laughs> See, is grace a license to sin? Listen, friends, this is not the, the first. This hyper-grace movement has been around from the beginning. I mean, it's actually kind of written about in the New Testament here because is grace a license to sin? No. It's true that grace brings freedom, And then those freedoms include making bad choices. But if you use your freedom to enslave yourself to sin, then you have missed the point of grace. See, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again to the yoke of slavery. Sin is slavery. It is bondage. Grace gives us freedom to not walk in that. See, don't ever fall for the lie that says, I can go on sinning so grace can may, may abound. See, this was even in the New Testament. True, your sinning won't affect God's love for you. Nothing can separate us from his love, but it will surely affect you. It will affect where you are at. It will affect the favor of God on your life. It will affect your standing before and right relationship with God. It will ultimately enslave you and keep you in bondage. It will ultimately kill you and separate you from all that is good because grace is favor. It is a gift. And sin will keep you from it, friends. What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid. Grace is no more a license to sin then electricity is a license to electrocute yourself. Come on. Grace is no more a license to sin than electricity is a license to electrocute yourself. Now, true, electricity, you can use it to electrocute yourself if you're kind of special. Or maybe you're just very immature and you didn't, your mama never told you to not put your finger in the light socket. Okay? Maybe you're a little special and, you, and, and, and a little immature and you were never taught to not do something as silly as that. See, electricity was not meant to electrocute yourself. Right? Electricity was meant so that we can enjoy the pleasures of light in the house using electronics getting on Netflix, praise the Lord. That's what electricity was meant for, to enjoy life. <laughs> Come on, man, watch an ESPN, right? Come on. <laughs> electricity was meant to bring life, not death, and sin, friends, was meant to bring death, but grace was meant for favor and freedom from that death grace enables us to live and walk in victory over sin the flesh and the devil anything less less than that is not true grace see jude i love i love jude it's such a short book in the in the new testament y'all should read that if you haven't yet jude 4 says this for certain individuals who Condemnation was written about long ago, have secretly slipped in among you. Well, that's how they do it. They're ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into what? A license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign Lord, friends. I've heard it said so many times, you you find people who are struggling, and they're, they're struggling with sin issues in their life that they've never completely given over to the Lord, and then you see them start making excuses for it. Well, God knows, you know, he knows my heart, and he still loves me, and he wants me to be happy. Miss Twally, you don't heard that one before, huh? He wants me to be happy. Where do we come up with this stuff at? God knows my heart. He knows I just can't help myself. You know what? I've heard this. when I'm 50 years old. I should be able to say what I want to say. God knows my heart. I mean, I have freedom, and I'm going to use it to do whatever I want to do. God knows my heart, right? Well, God knows. He knows my heart. He knows when I'm stressed out, I just got to go to that cigarette. God knows my heart. God knows my heart. He knows when I get upset, man, I just got to go make myself feel better with that bag of chips. Lord, God knows my heart. friends. We make excuses. We make excuses and we use his grace as a license to do what we want to do. It's wrong. It's not what God desires for us. He does know our heart and he knows and he says in his word that our heart is wicked and it's deceitful above all things. And he says, guard your heart. for it's the well spring of life. Friends, we're not supposed to follow our heart. We're supposed to let, allow the word of God to lead our heart. Because our heart will deceive us. It will lead us to sin. Because our heart is a part of our soulish realm, friends. God wants us to live as a new man, as a new person. We've got to stop making excuses. And this is how we can stop. Because when we understand true grace, we can stop. See, because true grace, the grace of God that has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. See, true grace gives us the leverage, friends, the power to say no to sin and ungodliness. Grace gives us the leverage that we need. It gives us the power that we need to say no to ungodliness. When we realize we can't do it ourselves, we need grace. We need a gift. We need that true freedom. We need that favor. We need that joy, that thanksgiving from the Lord that we can't do it on our own. We need grace. True grace teaches us to say no. No. And friends, when you get that victory, you I remember the first time when I first really got right with God and I stubbed my toe. And it was the first time I didn't cuss after stubbing it. I remember. I still remember. I'm like, yes! I mean, I gave Thanksgiving right there. Because every other time stubbing my toe, some ungodly words would fly out of my mouth. And that first time I stubbed it, and I was just like, ouch, Lord Jesus. Boy, that was good. It was like, thank you, Lord. I'm crying out to you. I'm not cussing. I'm not acting crazy. I'm saying, thank you, Jesus. You've helped me overcome. That's grace. Come on. Grace is beautiful. Grace is so amazing. If it wasn't for grace, none of us would be saved. None of us would be going to heaven. It's favor that we don't deserve. Grace is beautiful. And it teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It teaches us that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. It teaches us that we're more than overcomers. We're more than conquerors. We're victorious in him. We're the head and not the tail because of grace. We have favor. It gives us the leverage we need that when we walk into a job interview, we walk in with confidence because we know we are one of the anointed ones. They want to hire us because they want their company to prosper. And if I'm here, it's going to prosper because God has anointed me. Grace. We look at ourselves not not a proud foe, but we look at ourselves as ones that we know that we have been accepted by God and by Jesus, and therefore we can do all things through grace. Through Christ, because grace is Christ. Grace is God. True grace gives us the leverage and the power to say no to sin, friends. When grace came into Pastor Joshua's life, he gave up smoking weed. That wasn't because he had good willpower. He said that was the hardest thing he ever gave up for Jesus was smoking weed. He said it was easier to give up um, other things like those nasty girls that he had before he cut the real deal. You know what I'm talking about, right? He said that was easier than giving up smoking weed, right? But grace came in and told him to say no. Grace came into Pastor Renee and Pastor Earl's life and taught them to say no to the addiction of crack cocaine. Grace was what empowered them to be the man and woman of God that they are. Grace is what helped them get their children back who was taken away from them. And in the co of CSB, grace is what helped them live for God all their life, not bound to man. You know, they've never even been a bound. Come on. It's grace that taught them how to be hard workers, that kept them from welfare, that kept them from drugs, that kept them from having bad attitudes. It was grace that helped them learn to, to, to think outside of the, the things that they were brought up in and the culture that they were raised in and think there's a better way because of grace, friends. It was grace that enabled my friends who lost both of the all all sets of their parents before they were even 30 years old to know that they can still prosper. They can still do amazing things for God. That God will give them the grace to help them when they're mourning. God will give them the grace to strengthen them and bring their marriage together. It was grace that took my mom and dad when I was backslidden teenager and they were backslidden adults that said it was grace that brought them back to the church and said, I'm going to go back to the same place I was offended at. I'm going to make it right and I'm going to bring my family Back, even though we were 15 and 14 years old when that happened, friends. As y'all know, we're at teenagers, we were all already set in our ways. But it was grace that gave them the power to say, No, I messed up for a decade, living in the world, doing what I want, but I'm coming back. And I'm gonna come back strong, and I'm gonna fast and repent. My dad has fast like twice in his whole life. When I rebelled as a teenager, and when my sister Jennifer rebelled. <laughs> And look at us now. It works, friends. Grace. (laughs) Grace gives us the leverage. It gives us the power we need to do what God has called us to do. But, friends, we have to understand what grace really is. Because if we use grace as an excuse to continue in our sin, as a license to continue in our sin, then we don't have grace at all. Grace is a gift from God. Receive it by faith today, friends. The last point that I want to talk about today, the difference between hyper-grace and true grace is this. Hyper-grace, the hyper-grace message teaches that it, it only emphasizes, it only pushes God as love. God is love, friends. What did I tell you about the false doctrine? It takes a little bit of truth, but then it mixes in some false with it. God is love, but God is more than just love. God is multifaceted. You think God is just one thing? Come on. God is love. God is just, God is holy, God is good, God is all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere present. God is the alpha, God is the omega, and God is everything in between. God is the beginning, God is the end. God is the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. God is God. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, friends. God is God. He's more, he's bigger than what we can comprehend. That's why we have to have grace to even receive God because he's so good. See, but hyper grace, it only pushes one aspect of God, and that is God is love. And the only reason it pushes that aspect is because, oh, if God loves us, then he'll let us do whatever we want. See, we had this mindset and this worldly mindset that we heard growing up. You know, don't date that boy. If he tries to think he can change you, you know, our mamas teach us, or, or as, as men, men, young men, oh, man, that girl's just trying to change you, then she don't really love you. Listen, friends, God's love is deeper than that. Grace is not cheap. Grace is deep. And God's grace and his love is deeper than that. God's love, he loves us enough that he loves us right where we're at, but he loves us too much to keep us that way. He wants us. His love transforms us. See, hyper-grace message only preaches and only emphasizes and pushes God's love, but true grace propels us to be holy as he is holy. God is calling us to be holy again, friends. See, did Jesus love what he saw when he rebuked the five out of seven congregations in Asia Minor in the book of Revelation 2 through 3? Did he love it when he brought a rebuke to five out of the seven churches, friends? Believers, friends. New Testament churches, friends. He still rebuked five out of seven. Did he love then? Yes. He loved enough to propel us to holiness, to say, repent, or I'm going to remove your lampstand. That's love, friends. It's a warning. If we love someone, we see them driving off a cliff, and we are going to just say, oh, well, they got freedom. They can drive off a cliff if they want to drive off a cliff. If we love people enough and we're driving past the highway and we see someone sitting on the bridge, we say, well, it's their choice. They're Americans. They can do whatever they want to do. No, if you have any kind of sense, any kind of love, any kind of goodness in you, you would stop. You would talk to them. You would say you don't have to do this. True love propels to holiness. Did Paul, writing on behalf of the Lord, love when he saw, when he warned the Galatians that they had fallen from grace and been trapped into legalism? Was that love? Did James, also writing as a servant of the Lord, love what he saw when he rebuked the readers for being friends of the world and adulterers and adulteresses? Speaking of the church again. Was that love? See, one of the devil's biggest deceptions, friends, is God loves us so much that we don't need to change God loves us too much for us to stay the same. God's love transforms us. God's love propels us to holiness. God's love leads us to repentance, and repentance leads us to obedience. Repentance is a change of heart, mind, and direction. It leads us to obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, then you will keep my commands. Not legalism, friends, but if you love me, you're going to desire to please me. You're going to desire. And because, listen, he doesn't give us these commands to, to be a, a slave driver, to be some kind of mean big boss up in the sky. He gives us these commands to protect us, to guide us, to lead us to truth, to lead us to that life more abundantly, friends. See, recently I was at a, 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 a women's um, gathering. I had the honor the privilege of speaking at it with a different assembly of God churches all over no- Northwest uh, uh, Northwest Ohio. Some of us, some of my friends, came in and supported. Thank you, guys, ladies, right here, coming and supporting, and um, got to share some things with 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 the women. It was really a, a true honor and a privilege. But you know, anytime I go a place to speak, I don't just think I'm coming to to give a word. I always have my antenna out and my ears open to hear what the Lord can be speaking to me. And the lady who organized this event, it was about 200 women there, and the lady who organized this event, she grew up as a pastor's daughter, and she's a pastor's wife now, just um, definitely probably old enough to be my mom. She's been around for a while and loving the Lord. And she shared about how she went to see the movie The War Room, and she was sharing us how powerful that was, but she said something that was really caught me As almost odd she said it was the only the third time I've ever went to a movies to the movie theater because she grew up in the holiness movement and you know she said and she admitted you know she she admitted you know because you know how I grew up and it was basically sin to you know go to the movie theaters and she realized that that was legalism and that went into you know a whole different aspect a whole different spectrum but I thought to myself wow she, she doesn't walk in legalism anymore. She didn't wear a jean skirt and a bun up in her hair. You know what I'm saying, ladies, come on. She, you know, she didn't walk in that le- legalism anymore. You see that she has freedom now, but she still said that that was, you know, only the third time she went to the movies. And I thought to myself, wow, to hunger after God so much, to abstain from even things that are pleasurable, holiness, Man, in the church today, we don't have holiness like the first century church. The church today doesn't have holiness like the generation before us. Reading some statistics, now they're saying that, like, anyone who is under, I think, 35 and younger, that the majority of them in America, they consider themselves nuns. And I don't mean nuns as in, you know, uh, like, a, like a monk and a nun. I mean, like, they don't believe in nothing. None. They know nothing. They're open, they're spiritually, they're, they're, they're spiritual, but they don't consider themselves any kind of denomination. They're none of the denominations. They believe in God, but they don't need none of the church. They don't need none of God's people. They don't need none, none of anything. They're just none. And, and I thought to myself, where have we gone wrong, friends? Because there's a, there really is a balance we don't want to get off so extreme that 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 we want everyone to look the same everybody has to be, wear a uniform to come to church right we don't, we don't want that kind of extreme that no one can have any kind of pleasure in life. You can't play card games and you can't play video games and you can't watch sports and you can't go to the movies, things that are in the outward. See, Jesus said, though you clean the outward of the dish, the inside is full of greed and, and lust and all these evil things, okay? It's hypocrisy. But we don't want to go so much to the other side with this hyper-grace movement that we can do whatever we want. We can get drunk because God doesn't care. He made wine and we can smoke weed because he made that too and, you know, he made crack. We might as well just go ahead and do whatever we want to do. And we can have whatever woman we want anytime we want. You know what I mean? It gets into false, crazy, craziness. People go extreme, but God, what he's looking for, he's looking for someone who will love him in both spirit and in truth. Friends, God is looking for true holiness. God's Love propels us towards holiness. God's love leads to obedience, and obedience leads to holiness. See, the definition of holiness is a life of holiness is total devotion to God. Where is our total devotion to God? Where has that gone? Because we need it again. We need that total devotion to God. Jesus is first and ultimate. He said the greatest command in all of the Bible, it sums up the law and the prophets is this, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all your strength, friends. And the second is like this, to love your neighbor as you love yourself, friends. That's holiness. And that's what God is calling us to. And that's what true grace leads us to. Not just one aspect of God, but the fullness of God. God is love, but God is just and God is holy. Friends, Ephesians 2.8 says this, for it's by grace that you've been saved. We've been saved by grace. It is a free gift of God. Do you understand me? It is a free gift. You've done nothing to deserve it. It is a free gift. It's favor. It's a free gift of God. You're saved by grace through faith and not from yourself, but it's a gift of Of God but friends let's not turn God's gifts into some kind of package that has a bomb inside of it because we have turned it into a license of sin we've turned it into a license to do whatever we want we've said that we don't longer have to repent and we don't have to live right friends that's not the package God has for you God has a package a beautiful gift for you and it is grace and it's ready for you today if you would stand up to your feet with me friends Bailey if I could get you to come a couple things when I was praying and seeking the Lord about this, I was asking God a few things. And one of the things that I really felt in my heart is that, that something I've already said a couple of times, that unless you have true grace, you can't have true salvation. And there may be some people in here today that have not truly receive the true grace of god because you may have heard the false doctrines that have been taught you may have received hyper grace instead of true grace god's grace is amazing it doesn't have to be any more amazing than what it already is so i'm going to ask you if you would just close your eyes for a minute just focus on the lord for a second this is so important think about the lord think about his goodness Maybe you're in this place today and you have never truly accepted the grace of God, the true grace of God in your life. God has, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. If that's you, would you raise your hand before the Lord, please? Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on, yes, yes. And there's some of you that may be in here And you've got to a place in your walk with the Lord that you've made excuses for the sin that's in your life. And you need true grace to help you come clean with those things. If that's you in here today, would you raise your hand before the Lord? Yes, yes, yes. God wants to bring holiness, friends. God wants to bring holiness. I'm gonna ask us to take a step of faith now. His grace is a free gift for you today. If you answered, if you raise your hand for one of those things, would you be so kind to get up out of your seat and walk up here? We want to pray for you. We want to anoint you with oil. I need my leaders ready. We're gonna pray and anoint people with oil today. Come on up. Any of my prayer warriors, my pastors, leaders, come up some oil if you raise your hand for any of those things go ahead and spread yourselves up around here too around here too Yes, friends we're gonna take time and we're gonna worship through this song as these guys are getting prayed for if you're in your seat today and you've already received the true grace of God this is so serious you know how important this is if you could just be praying for these people to have a breakthrough with the Lord today. I need ushers up front too if they can help follow along. You guys are go ahead and be released to pray for people.